Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, September 27th. We begin with a look at the breaking news over the weekend that Canada's two Michaels have been released and have been returned home after being detained in China for almost three years. We get details on their return from Rachel Gilmore, political correspondent with Global News Ottawa. Next, it's our weekly catch-up with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Dr. J brings us a story of a Canadian COVID-19 study that turned out to be wrong. How the study has fueled the cause of anti-vaxxers and what's being done now to combat the misinformation, we find out. It's one of Calgary's best-kept secrets. We learn all about the Calgary Career Hub, the resources they provide and how their programs work. We speak with Jane Croshaw, workshop facilitator with Calgary Career Hub. And finally, it's our weekly segment aimed at helping you achieve your goals and live your best life. This week on Motivational Monday, we meet Meg Nocero, a former lawyer turned inspirational speaker, and we hear how adversity led Meg to challenge herself both physically and spiritually. 8-12 mornings with Sue and Andy. Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor were detained by China for 1,020 days. And after the release of Meng Wanzhou on Friday, the two Canadian men returned home Saturday morning. With more on what the future of Canada-China relations will look like, we are joined by Global News political correspondent Rachel Gilmore. Good morning to you, Rachel. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here. I know that it's a complicated story that evolved very quickly over the weekend. Can you break down exactly what unfolded, uh, what led to the Michaels return? Yeah, absolutely. So it definitely happened really fast after happening very slowly for a long time. So, um, you know, Meng Wanzhou obviously was initially arrested in December 2018. And China, in retaliation for that, although they deny that, (laughs) um, arrested Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig and held them, as you mentioned, um, in a Chinese jail for over a thousand days. Um, obviously, the um, arrest of Meng Wanzhou was happening because of the extradition request from the U.S. So what happened on Friday was um, the U.S. case was actually sort of resolved. So um, Meng Wanzhou struck a deal with U.S. prosecutors that led to them dismissing all charges against her as long as she admitted some wrongdoing and uh, follows the conditions of the deal. And as a part of that, the U.S. dropped their extradition request for Canada. Um, So Canada was able to let her go. Um, And China, although they deny that this was in any way related, um, also within hours let Michael Favor and Michael Kovrig go to the point that Michael Favor and Michael Kovrig's plane would have crossed paths with Meng Wanzhou's plane in the sky. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, maybe too early to say, but how does this situation impact Canada-Chinese relations then? Obviously, permanent damage has been done. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think Canada has learned a major lesson in terms of, you know, the the length that China is willing to go to to get what it wants. Um, you know, as people have been speaking for a while about China becoming increasingly emboldened and caring less about what the West 
thinks about it. Um, and this is a really clear indication of that. I mean, they're barely trying to hide the link between the uh, detention of the two Michaels and Meng Wanzhou. Uh, so Mark Garneau, our foreign affairs minister, said that Canada's eyes are wide open going forward in any dealings with China. And uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised if things kind of smooth over because there's still 115 Canadians who are detained in China for various reasons. And there's Robert Schellenberg, who, you know, he was sentenced to jail time in China. But then after Meng Wanzhou was arrested, his sentence was upgraded to a death sentence. And, you know, that hasn't changed. So there's a lot of sources of tension and ongoing issues with China moving forward. Yeah, moving forward, obviously, there has to be a relationship. They, you know, uh, actually trading partners, whether or not we like it. But it, it, it's interesting to me in that we're not the only country that has had issues with China. Can we take a, a page out of any other uh, nations who, who have good relations and have moved things forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a tough dance for any country with China. You know, we've seen the UK and the US uh, speak about the situation with the Uyghurs, which is a, a Muslim minority population in East Turkestan um, that China has been alleged to have committed genocide against. So we've seen sanctions and, you know, uh, quite a few other countries taking a firmer line on that. So there's sort of this dance where countries are simultaneously engaging in trade deals and working with China on issues like climate change or at international conventions. Um, but, you know, <laughs> at the same time, there's these huge issues with China kind of using these strong arm tactics like hostage diplomacy. So it, it is a careful, careful dance. And uh, I think it's one of the true diplomatic challenges that face that any country faces. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see as well what happens potentially maybe something this week when it comes to the decision on Huawei. I, I feel like the government's been holding back on that before getting the two Michaels home to make that final decision, doesn't it seem? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible because obviously China will not be happy if Huawei does not get uh, a piece of the 5G pie in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised, I mean, if Canada allows Huawei to have a heavy hand in our 5G network because so many security experts have said that that's just not a safe move for the security of Canadians because Huawei is so kind of intimately tied to the Chinese government. Yeah, um, yeah so, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I, uh, I, I definitely hope that they are considering the, the security implications of allowing them into the network, which, again, Mark Garneau did say on the West Block on Sunday that they are putting the security of Canadians first and foremost. So I hope that the actions match those words. Rachel, thanks for the update and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you so much. That's Rachel Gilmore, political correspondent for Global News Ottawa. 719 Mornings with Sue and Andy. And uh, an inaccurate Canadian study suggests, uh, suggesting rather an extremely high rate of heart inflammation after COVID-19 vaccines has been retracted due to a major mathematical error. But not before it, it spread like wildfire on anti-vaccination websites and social media. Joining us to discuss the unfortunate event is Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. We've uh, certainly heard from people about this study. So tell us what it said and why it's now been proven false. So, God, there's a lot of back, back story here. So Ottawa Heart Institute uh, was looking at kids. So this is youth, 12 to 18, who had vaccines and who might have shown some evidence of inflammation around their heart, or around the, the sac around the heart, the pericardium. And the rate that they quoted was one in a thousand, which was completely different than any other study published in the world. 
this came in a pre-print publication. So what happens in in literature these days is in the in the way to try to get things out very quickly, things are put online uh, so that people can look at it and start a discussion. So this was in a pre-print publication. So it wasn't officially printed, but it was thrown out there. Everyone said, hold on, these stats look totally wrong. And they were wrong. The stats really were 1 in 25,000 uh, as opposed to 1 in 1,000. But it just, as you said, it went like wildfire. The anti-vaxxers jumped all over this um, and believed this to be true. So even though this paper has been retracted, um, this paper will be cited forever as being the truth mm-hmm. and everything else is now being hidden or is uh, retracted, but it is still true. So it's a really unfortunate, it's very, very embarrassing, um, but it's happened and now we have to fix it if we can. And that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, once you get into that conspiracy theory world where people are going to believe forever that this is true and then they're just trying to hide the information from us. But so, I mean, what do you do? Like, do you, does the medical community come out with advertisements to say, hey, this is wrong or, or should they? So I was talking to a few people uh, over the weekend about this, like how uh, efficient and effective um, the anti-vaxxer or that you know, that paranoia group uh, can get information out, disseminated exponentially it grows, but yet in the world of real science and that we can't seemingly get information out uh, quickly at all. So I'm not sure how this will be dealt with more than uh, hopefully getting a consistent word out uh, in the press, getting consistent word out in the medical community uh, that, that what are the true stats, what is the real risk here? The problem with COVID-19 we're, we're finding in youth in that 12 to 18 or under 12 is that there is a condition called multi-system inflammatory syndrome where COVID-19 can cause inflammation in uh, liver, kidneys, heart, lungs, and this is potentially deadly. So this is the real thing. Uh, and if there are deaths within the pediatric population, this is what kills people. So this vaccine is just it's, um, it's an oddity in that it can cause inflammation in just this one area around the heart. Now, that sounds scary, and mm-hmm. I, I don't dispute that, but it ten- tends to be very mild. It tends to be completely self-limited, meaning we treat this with anti-inflammatory. It gets better. It is not deadly. Multi, uh, multi-system inflammatory sy- syndrome, which comes from the real thing, from COVID, can actually be deadly. Well, thank you so much for setting the record straight, Dr. J. That's why we uh, try to, uh, you know, catch up with you uh, every single Monday. Okay, you betcha. Good stuff. That is Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. 843 and uh, Sue, to what we were talking about with uh, Dave Popwitz there, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, he mm-hmm. does a lot of stuff online, a lot of YouTube stuff. He was kind of an early adopter of social media for marketing. He was saying, and I, and I agree with this, because we're not going to be able to put the genie back in the box. You know what I mean? So we have to be diligent and at the same time, let our kids use this technology because it's going to be the future for sure. Fair enough. Okay, let's get on to our next interview. Uh, important to get so many people either looking for a new job or to change jobs through the pandemic. Well, if you're unemployed or you're looking for work or maybe you're just unhappy with the job you have, you just don't know where to turn for help, though. That's where the Calgary Career Hub comes in. And joining us is Jane Croshaw, who is the workshop facilitator at the Calgary Career Hub. Hi, Jane. Hi, Sue. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. For folks who don't know, tell us about the Calgary Career Hub. Okay, well, uh, we are an employment service, and we are dedicated to helping job seekers, Calgarians and those in the surrounding area, to find work. 
Well, who can access these services, Jane? Who are, who are they geared toward? Any specific type of industry, or is it quite broad? It's quite broad. Um, all all are welcome. Um, the who of of who we service, um, as mentioned in the intro, you know, unemployed, underemployed, uh, anybody who is underemployed is considered working 16 hours or less. And, you know, we help everyone uh, from all ethnic backgrounds, new immigrants, francophones, person with disabilities, mature workers, you know, everyone is welcome. I feel like this is one of Calgary's kind of hidden gems, Jane, that you may, folks don't really know that this service is even available and that it's free to use. Well, um, yes, our services are offered at no cost which is nice. Absolutely, that is a definite bonus. What can a client expect? Like, What kind of services are offered to somebody who, who reaches out? Well, um, you know, we offer, you know, from a broad uh, standpoint, resources, skills, services, support, uh, one-on-one coaching. So um, anybody looking for support with their resume, interview prep, uh, networking. We even helped our, our, our clients with LinkedIn. Um, we also offer workshops uh, for skill building, uh, which is, again, along the lines of resumes, interview skills, all that sort of good stuff. Um, we also have a uh, virtual resource room, uh, which is online resources for um, really everyone, whether they're uh, clients that are in service with us or just, uh, you know, any, anybody looking for additional job search support. And then last but not least, we do um, offer some job placement services. We're not recruiters, but we do have connections with employers in Calgary, and we get some uh, information on some of their staffing needs. Jane, chance for you to toot your own horn and that of your fellow uh, workers there at the Calgary Career Hub. So you're a facilitator. I know you're a coach in real life. You're an athlete. So how do all those kind of things come together to do what you do? Oh, you know what? Um, I'm a very purpose-driven individual. And so, you know, coming on board with a team of just excellent professionals who are caring and committed to you know, helping people find work. Um, that kind of aligns with um, my past career as well and, and current, just, you know, supporting, uh, you know, people uh, be successful. Absolutely. That's why I get up every day. Good stuff. And, uh, you know, people need that motivation and they uh, love to have a resource that can help out. So thank you for what you do. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate your time. Good stuff. Thanks, Jane. That's Jane Croshaw, workshop facilitator at Calgary Career Hub, online at calgarycareerhub.com. 6.09 now on your Monday morning. Beautiful day in store after a fantastic weekend. Ho- hope everybody managed to get out there and uh, get a little, uh, just some you know beautiful fall weather. The sunshine was out. Mm-hmm. Larch trees. I know people were out into the mountains to try and get a look at the larch trees before the le- before the needles all fall off. Spectacular weekend, no doubt. So maybe we're back at work on Monday and we need a little inspiration to give us a little pep in our step to start the week. So let's do that. Meg Natsero is a former immigration federal prosecutor turned inspirational speaker, transformational coach, and also is the award-winning author of a new book called Butterfly Awakens, a memoir of transformation through grief. It's described as a must-read journey of transformation through personal loss, health challenges, and professional struggles. And Meg joins us now. Good morning to you. Thanks for being here with us. 
Good morning. How are you guys in Canada doing this morning? Great. Thank you very much. Meg, you've got a great story. You've, I mean, it's just the new book looks beautiful and, and your background is, is phenomenal. So we thought you'd be a perfect guest to get us going on a Monday for Motivational Monday. I personally have dreamed of doing the Camino de Santiago Trail in Spain myself. You did it. Tell us what took you on your journey and this spiritual pilgrimage you did. You know, I, I think motivation is a great way of starting a Monday because we all need it, first of all. So, you know, shout out to everyone waking up this early and ready for the day. Um, as far as the Camino is concerned, it's so funny because I have a poem that I absolutely love. And I have to share it with all of you. It's by Mary Oliver. It's Living a Conscious Life. She says, pay attention, be astonished, and tell all about it. Mm. And the pay attention component is what I started to listen to when things started uh, coming up after my mother passed away. So in April 2011, she passed away. I had this vision of a lighthouse, devastated by grief. I know this is like summing it up pretty quick, but I kept looking for the lighthouse. And as I was coming out of that darkness, that dark night of the soul, I started paying attention to the books that spoke to the Camino. It was very strange. And um, Paulo Coelho is one of my favorites, obviously. He's a big fan favorite for a lot of people because of his spiritual nature and his mysticism. And I grabbed on to the pilgrimage, and I read the book, and I go, I am not a hiker. I will promise you this. If you saw me, you'd be like, oh, I'm not so sure she'd make 77 miles in six days. But the bottom line is I had to find that message at the lighthouse at the end of the Camino and what took me basically seven years from the time my mother passed away until when I actually walked it. And I got what I needed from that to start a whole new chapter for my life. And because of that wonderful act of consciousness, that awake moment where I was like, okay, I got to start paying attention to my life and I don't want to have regrets. So, you know, that's been quite a journey. I have to tell you, it's not for the weak of heart, the faint of heart. It's a, it's a, it's a challenging up and down. I mean, it wouldn't be the Camino if it weren't. (laughs) So I, I say, go for it open-minded, open heart, and just go for your messages as they come at you. And I, anyone can do it if I can do it. So I would encourage you to go for that dream. Well, you know, you fought through adversity and uh, you, uh, your journey included a very physical challenge and spiritual, I would think, at the same time. You've uh, gathered up three tips for our listeners to help them through whatever journey they might be on. So let's start with your presentation of tip number one. So, you know, first and foremost, um, you have to really truly start to believe in yourself and not try to, you know, seek outside those external approvals that we all so desperately want. I think the big empowerment comes from looking within and really embracing your purpose and calling here and just start believing in yourself because without that, you know, you, you might be following someone else's path rather than your own. Hey, believe in yourself. I love that because I think a lot of the times we doubt ourselves so very much. That's important. What about tip number two? Well, I will say this. I'm a big dreamer. So to come alive to the beauty of your dreams, you can't give up too soon, right? You you plant those seeds. You've got to water them. You've got to nurture them. And just because you're not seeing the beautiful flower quite yet, just don't give up because tomorrow could be the beginnings of the actual unfolding of all the hard work you've put into your life. But, you know, it's not over until it's over, so don't give up on yourself and don't give up on your dreams. All right. What about number three, Meg? Number three, I have to say, um, you know, it's trust the process. 
And and I know that's kind of hard for those who are type A controlling. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a lawyer by trade, so I know them. I know who you are. I do say this. I do believe that you can put all the work into the world and never give up and believe in yourself. But you have to also go into the effortless flow of life. And I and I am not a big advocate of you know you know taking your hits and then you know not and not going forward. But I do believe that when you do trust the process, certain doors open that you would not normally see. So while it's like, what are you talking about? You told us not to give up and believe in yourself. But I do believe there's a process and that when we sit back and we can surrender to some parts of life, then that divine or that, you know, those angels pop into your life and help you along. So I think trust the process would be the last one I would give everybody. You know, I think when you say just sit back and, and you know, watch and, 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 and take note of what's going on around you, we, we don't take enough time to do that these days. What would you say, Meg, is, is sort of the truth that you live by every day? Oh, my God. I, you know, I have a wonderful um, mentor writer who, you know, maybe she's not in my life every day, but her words speak true. And when you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the floor, you know, a, a bit of a gratitude for that. And also it's the something wonderful is always about to happen. And that's the curiosity I love. And that's a huge get curious with your life on a daily basis. Because if you're looking for something wonderful, you're more likely to get it. Love, love that. Meg, I'm wondering, there are a lot of, uh, you know, motivational and inspirational gurus out there. You can look at a million type of book titles that might fit your needs or or watch a a TED Talk, if you will. Uh, But I'm wondering, do we have to have an external motivator or can we find that 100% from within? I mean, life gets complicated sometimes, so it might be nice to pick up some inspiration externally. But I will tell you this. I think everyone is born with a calling, a passion, and a purpose. And I think when you do get still and you trust the process and you start to listen to the old, you know, they they say the bray of your heart, then you'll figure out what that internal compass is. And I think that's really the essence of who we are, that thing that we breathe life into ourselves, is when we really tap in to the who we are, so we understand the why we're here, and then we can live our lives from that place. And that is where, you know, I don't have to imitate anyone else. It's just I'm called to show up how I am authentically myself. And that's really where you're going to touch other people's lives by being authentically you and everything or more or less as much as you can with with, the the, the chatter in the world with everything that you do. And, you know, I I always say when you give yourself permission to come alive to who that is, you also open up the doors for others because they can't help be affected by that wonderful energy. Thank you for the inspiration and the motivation on this Monday. Appreciate it, Meg. We're going to send folks to your website, megnacero.com, and it's Meg, M-E-G-N-O-C-E-R-O, megnacero.com. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. You too. That is a former immigration federal prosecutor turned inspirational speaker, coach, and award-winning author. Meg's new book is called Butterfly Awakens, a memoir of transformation through grief. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.